Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Dietrich Nation Radio, the world's most Dietrich podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dietrich. Join me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I'm very well, Derek Ulysses. <laughs> I just... Badly. I just want to be. I just want to be Derek Dietrich. Does, doesn't everyone want to be Derek Dietrich at this point? No, I, you know what? I think uh, I think Cody Bellinger is probably fine being who he is. <laughs> I think Mike Trout also is probably fine being who he is. Okay, two non-Dietrich guys that are happy with what with uh, with the current uh, arc of their careers, but uh, pretty good uh, week and pretty good couple months for Derek Dietrich, though. Am I right? He's he has been having himself a time. He has been having himself a time. We're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to get into everything that's going on around the Cincinnati Reds this week. We're going to talk about the championship matchup of Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. We finally have a a winner in that bracket. Uh, but was, before, wait, was it a dark horse? Was it did, was it Lee Alberto Bonilla? <laughs> who who? I'm not going to I'm not going to get you to say it. Am I the way you're supposed to say it? I said it. <laughs> Use your. Wait, oh, I got it. I got it. You ready? Let's hear it. Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Oh, you, that, your uh, Kentucky accent. You, you're getting a, you've lived in Kentucky long enough that you're getting that accent. It's been a little while. Um, before we get into that, there are two very important things. Number one, what's this I hear about a strawberry cake? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this this podcast is being recorded as a as my daughter's birthday cake cools uh, on some wire racks and uh, and and it smells quite delicious. Uh, it is made of cake ingredients and strawberries, and I, I'm pretty excited for it personally. She requested it, so I hope she's excited about it. Outstanding. Party at Jason's house. Yes, everyone come over for the fourth grade sleepover. <laughs> oh, that's terribly exciting. No, don't. That would no, be weird. Would Anybody be... from this podcast, you are not invited. That would be super strange. Yes. No internet guys need to come to the fourth grade sleepover. No. Um now, uh, the other thing we need to talk about is uh, Game of Thrones. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, You're a big Thrones watcher, right? I am. Um, thumbs down. <laughs> I think I'm going to go thumbs down as well. Uh, we're not going to get into that too much for those that haven't watched it. But the last season was really uneven. So, yeah, ultimately, I didn't dislike it as much as a lot of people. But I think can, can, I just, can I just take five seconds and just say something sure everybody who's mad at that needs to make sure that they are mad at the right person because let me tell you it was not the showrunners who made that final twist happen it was that's your boy, not where it came from that's not their fault and you can't blame them george rr martin you're blaming the uh, the big guy himself that's who i'm blaming all right well we'll talk about that in our uh, game of thrones uh, podcast okay uh, and uh Maybe we'll have to do that for uh, for the Patreon crowd. No, probably not. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. It's been a uh, an interesting couple of weeks in Red Leg Nation. You know, last week, uh, I guess really the last couple weeks, we had the Reds had this stretch where they played what do we say eleven games against teams that finished um, in first place at the end of the regular season last year is the way I put it. Um, yeah, and, and I I noted that at the time they had three of the best four records in the NL. Yeah, and the Reds went six and five against that, and you know five of those games were on the road, so you know that's a that's not bad. And uh, no. they followed that up with a series where they win two out of four 
against the Pirates at home. And we'll dig into those games a little bit more. But could have won, should have won, probably three out of four there. But uh, And everyone's frustrated with these games Reds keep giving away. But what we're seeing here now is that's what a 500 team does. And am I right about that? And isn't that what we expected, I guess? Yeah, ish, I think. I honestly think that this is better than a 500 team. Um, Based on what I've seen, I actually feel kind of confident that the Reds are going to finish the year with a winning record. I don't see any reason not to believe that. Now, they've struggled to get past that uh, spot where they're four games under 500. They did finally briefly reach there before getting mauled by the Pirates in the final game of that series. And they've got the Nationals, who look like uh, who have struggled but have righted their ship a little bit coming into town over the weekend. But the Reds sit at, uh, still in last place, still six yeah. games out. But, you know, four games under, and you know, the trajectory is good overall. And, and frankly, they're competitive against the very best teams it's. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, when I say it's a 500-ish team, uh, as you put it, but I, what I'm saying is, you know, they held their own against the best teams in the league, and then, okay, yeah, they screw up a game here and there that they're going to blow, but that's what a team like this does. They're not – we don't expect them to be the Dodgers or the Astros. You know, they're a, they're a good team. Yeah. But, but you know, they're going to screw some things up sometime because they're not a polished, uh, you know, championship-level squad yet. No, they're not. And But they do also, fortunately, have a run where competition isn't going to completely vanish from their schedule, but they do have a run coming up where they're, they're going to generally have some easier teams than they've had for a while. Um, and that should be nice, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. You know, And, and still, the, the one-run game split doesn't look as bad, but they've still lost 13 one-run games. They're 8-13 and 13 in those. And, you know, you flip that around, which you very easily could have, and this team is you know, above 500 and doing well. So I don't know. And, and the run differential, uh, everyone says, quit talking about the run differential, you know, what the record should be. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, I mean, it is what it is. They are they're a better team than what their record shows. But now everyone wants to say, you are what your record says you are. And I, I say, no, they're not. They're better than what their record shows they are right now. And I think you know, they're set for say that after game 162. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is a, you know, if every team is what their record says they are, then why are we even playing anymore? Yeah, you just stop after a month, and you know what you are, what's going to happen. <laughs> right. So I do believe they're better than what the record shows they are. Uh, they are a fun team to watch, and that gets us back to Derek Dietrich. Uh, this week, of course, Dietrich continued to go off. He hit, uh, I think, what, four home runs in that series against the Pirates, three in one game. Uh, he now has 17 on the season, and... You know, uh, 29-year-old guy who has always been a pretty good uh, part, yeah, a legitimate big league hitter, um, getting his first chance at some real extended play. Not his first chance, but, he, you know, he's not, uh, you know, played big, big-time uh, games, number of games in his career, but he's getting a chance to play a lot, and he's really delivering. Uh, 262 average, 368 on base, 713 slugging, leads the Reds with 17 home runs, and I think it's tied for second in the league, maybe, in the National League. With 17, uh, 36 uh, ribeye steaks, <laughs> and just a guy that's having a lot of fun out there. And I, and I, I've been getting a kick out of this guy. He's, he's a flawed player, but, man, he's a lot of fun to have around him. He's tremendous fun. I, I, I really enjoy watching Derek Dietrich uh, play a lot. He's, he's very fun. And uh, what did it cost the Reds to get him? Nothing. I mean, really, that's what's uh, – that's what's fascinating. To, he was what? Well, when did they sign him? It was a good chunk of the way through spring training. Yeah, and he's still unemployed, which is a whole different conversation as to how a player that caliber 
I mean, you know, he's not he's not the best hitter in the league. You know, he's not this guy that we've kind of seen here recently. He's not going to slug seven thirteen for the year. But he's a good big league player who could not yeah, get a major league hit. contract. He, like he can hit for sure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And he couldn't get a major league contract. Nope. <laughs> so uh, it's crazy. The Reds have him uh, around for another year. I do want to talk about what it, uh, his development means because uh, just like we've seen, uh, Reds fans are have a tendency to whatever the hot new thing is. Let's sign that guy long term and keep him around and go ahead and hand him the position. And so um, I have some thoughts on that. But I have thoughts on that, too. You know, what is what is an interesting thing that I'm just noticing as I look at here? So far to this season, this is position players only. We're not talking about pitchers. But among their position players, two of their top three contributors in terms of wins above replacement um, are, were signed on minor league contracts. Is that right? Yes. That's uh, Fangraphs has Dietrich at 1.9, it has Suarez at 1.8, and it has Jose Iglesias at 1.0. Wow. Yeah. Baseball re- reference has Dietrich at 1.8, Iglesias at 1.3. And, yeah. And Suarez at 1.6. Gosh. Um, and the next position players, who? Probably Kyle Farmer or, I don't know, Nick Senzel. Senzel already, yeah. <laughs> Who wasn't around because yeah. he wasn't good enough to start the season, right? Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dietrich. Obviously, you all have heard the stories, uh, and you remember back in April when Dietrich hit a home run against Chris Archer of the Pirates, and he stood and admired it, and it was a home run worth admiring. Went into the, I think, went into the river there in uh, in Pittsburgh. Well, Dietrich uh, admired his home run again against the Pirates this time and then hit three more the next day and admired each of them to varying degrees. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> the the weirdos came out. And when I say weirdos, I'm not just talking about the yahoos on Twitter.com, and there are plenty of those calling for uh, somebody to throw at Dietrich's head, put one in his ear, all that nonsense. But also, uh, John Wayner, one of the uh, Pirates broadcasters, I mean, uh, really, really spent three days screaming about Derek Dietrich. He said, uh, let me let me see if I can find his, uh, the radio call right after, right after he did that. I don't like him just because of that, watching the home run, talking about um, that the home run he almost hit out of the great American yeah. ballpark, I'll say. Uh, he's got fam- family in the area. I don't like it. It just looks bad. I don't really know what that what that means. But uh, the next morning, he went nuts. I can't stand him. I don't understand why you have to do that. It's different if you're a Hall of Fame player. You're a 60-homer guy. You're an established guy. Nobody ever heard of him before this year. I heard of him because of his grandfather, who used to be a minor league coach of the Pirates, who was the sweetest yeah. guy in the world. He's rolling in his grave every time this guy hits a home run. He's embarrassed of his grandson. This is a Pirates radio broadcaster. What are your thoughts on that, Jason Linden? What an F, what an enormous idiot! <laughs> but like, that's just so what? Like, <laughs> it's almost unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I try. I, I I try to be diplomatic as much as possible. But come on, <laughs> yeah. But isn't that the culture that the Pirates have cultivated under Clint Hurdle, who they have an established history of throwing at players? They just do. Well, 
not only do they have an established history of throwing at players, they have players with an established history of bloating when they do well. <laughs> exactly. So, like, the Pirates are the team that manages to somehow both be the sore loser and the sore winner. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. And listen, I will... I think that Clint Hurdle should be suspended for a lengthy period of time. Like, I'm irritated at the pitchers that participate in this, but, you know, I think everybody, or everybody at least should understand the difficult position that they are put in by management, because this is all from management. Yep. If a manager tells you to do something and you say no, cool, you're standing up for your principles. You might not get another inning the whole year. Or ever in that organization. Who knows what happens? You're, you're, you're playing with your uh, career at that point. Yeah. So I think I think Clint Hurdle at this point, and I just assume, you know, I said this also to somebody on Twitter the other day. I'm sure there are times, obviously, when the Pirates hit batters and it's not intentional. But at this point, they've lost the benefit of the doubt. Because we know it happens intentionally. And as far as I'm concerned, the next time any baseball comes within six inches of a Eugenio Suarez, Clint Hurdle should be suspended for the rest of the season. And you mentioned him because Eugenio Suarez was hit by pitch in the final game of the series. Now, Suarez took a few steps out towards uh, the pitcher's mound, and it was tense, and uh, evidently he asked the pitcher whether uh, he had thrown at him, and I think he was satisfied that it wasn't intentional. I don't know if it was or wasn't, but with the Pirates, you're right. They, they don't get the benefit of the doubt at this point. Nope. And uh, and you're right about Clint Hurdle. Uh, there's no question that it's the culture that he has brought and it's this i don't know i think it's just pittsburgh has this they want to be this blue collar town uh and they have been a, they are a, more than they used to be more of a blue collar town than they are now but uh that's well, that's how they like to think of themselves and it's we're tough and you know we're gonna play the game uh, like it's meant to be played quote unquote and jared Hughes, who is a red now but who spent six years in pittsburgh he said yeah i mean that's you know we're we were told to throw up people essentially and so in so many words yeah and so David Bell comes out there after that and ends, ends up getting uh, tossed out of the can game. I, can I just say, nothing says tough like throwing a baseball at someone who can't defend himself. <laughs> That's that a tough guy. Super tough. If I, you know, it, I'm so tough that when I get upset with you, I'm going to stand 60 feet away and throw something at you. Hard. Real <laughs> hard. And also, I'm one of the best people in the world at throwing this particular thing Hard, right? Where, right, and where? Well, and throwing it where I want to throw it. Uh, so David Bell had some comments uh, talking about how that the Pirates throw at people and yeah, you know, whatever. Those comments were what they were. Um, but he says uh, clearly we're not going to get protected, and I think it's true. Yeah, Major League Baseball could put a stop to this tomorrow, couldn't they? Yep, they absolutely could. Well, and you know, then this thing happened. Um, with Tim Anderson and the Royals, where they've got a history, and he got hit on a pitch that probably wasn't intentional from what I've seen, but there's enough of a history there that the pitcher just got ejected immediately because the umpires let him know we're not putting up with that. And I don't understand why that can't happen in Reds and Pirates games. It needs to. Yeah. What needs to happen is when one of these guys is thrown at also, the pitcher needs to be suspended for you know three weeks and the manager for a month. Yes. You do that one time. And, and then it's over. And it's over. No one, no because one's going to risk that. One of the things about suspensions, and I think this is one of the things that people forget about, is when you have somebody suspended, you're playing with a 24-man roster. Right. You don't get to call somebody up. So you suspend a starting pitcher for three weeks, and then you get by either one man short on your bench 
or one man short on your pitching staff for the next three weeks and see how you like throwing at people. And at that point, it, it, I can't imagine teams doing that willingly as Clint Hurdle loves to do. So I don't yeah. know. Why can't you just, why can't we just enjoy the magnificence that is Derek Dietrich hitting a home run? Just enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I, you want to know what else I enjoy? Chris Archer for the Pirates and his uh, career with uh, Tampa. Except when he throws at Reds batters. Right. Oh, I hate that nonsense. But you know what I do enjoy is when he gets a big strikeout and he dances around. I, that's fine. Do yeah. it. My my favorite perspective from all of this is what Amir Garrett said, which is like, I, I grew up playing basketball. And in basketball, if somebody shows you up, you don't go hit them. You try to show them up next time and make sure that you don't get shown up yourself again. Like, it's on you to be better than them. It's, you know, it's not on you to attack them. Exactly. That's the right perspective to have. Don't give up the home run and then, you know, but if you, if you pimp it on me, I'm going to do the same when I strike you out. Right. Everybody have fun. Everybody celebrate. But you don't get to be grouchy when somebody celebrates on you. Exactly. Exactly. And so I like, I love seeing guys show emotion. And I think that's been something that baseball has been lacking over the years, and you know, I know it's an old old guy's game or whatever. I like the way Jeff Brantley uh, put it. He's a Reds broadcaster, Jeff Brantley, a former pitcher uh, who uh, has changed his mind on on this thing. You know, he said basically, we're the older ones. We're the ones that have to adapt to the changes on the field. The issue at hand is, do the fans love watching what they see on the field? And I think Reds fans love to see the swagger. They like to see the action. And I just, you and I, if we've talked about one topic more than anything on this podcast it's bacon but other than bacon it is pro i don't even know what that means but uh, if there's one thing we've talked about it's fun having fun and i like watching guys having fun out there you know i i don't know and, and maybe it's just a generational thing where the uh, i'm trying to pretend i'm not an older guy but uh I, I don't know i don't know why they can't show emotion let the kids play they're young at heart chad they're young at <laughs> i'm i'm really not um they say you're only that you're only as old as you feel, and so um, I'm looking forward to celebrating my 75th birthday oh. this year. So anyway, back to Derek Dietrich for a moment. Can we can we back talk about Derek Dietrich? All right, because I love me some Derek Dietrich. This is uh, what I've heard. He uh, has he wears gold chains. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a uh, swagged out uh, Scooter Jeanette in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, have, have we seen them in the same room together? Well, they, they apparently they've been seen. They've been spotted together. Okay. All right. Um, but just, you know, second baseman who can't really field very well. Yeah. Not that Dietrich's strictly a second baseman, but, you know, but who can, can mash on occasion. Dietrich yeah. has 17 home runs. Uh, he is in pretty elite company. Looks like one, two, three, four, five guys have hit 17 home runs. Since 1970, five Reds have hit 17 or more home runs in the team's first 55 games. Tony Perez, what's that? I I, I have to I have to I have to insert myself here. Okay, you you haven't done it. You're not one of the names. I I haven't. It's true, but I was actually looking up just this thing recently, and we do have to acknowledge that the ball is significantly juiced this year. So even compared to recent years, so the 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 paces at which people are hitting home runs are not necess- are are not necessarily comparable. Just as the pace when somebody, as soon as it went from the dead ball era to the live ball era, 
the home run pace picked up, it did not necessarily mean that everybody had automatically become better home run hitters. Here we go. Here we go. We're changing it. It's no longer hash brown Jason hates Scooter. It's hash brown Jason hates Derek. No, I love Derek Dietrich. I enjoy his goofy, like, nuclelooshness. I enjoy him very, very much. I am pro Derek Dietrich, and I want that on the record. You're trying to minimize his accomplishments. But Derek Dietrich is not Babe Ruth or Tony Perez or in no, sorry. <laughs> Jason hates Dick Dietrich. Here are the five players who have hit uh, 17 or more home runs in the team's first 55 games. Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, who did it twice, Eric Davis, Adam Dunn, Dunner did it three times, and Derek Dietrich, that gorgeous son of a gun. That's pretty good I, company. That's good Statistically unreliable company. Oh my gosh, you can't just let Dietrich have his fun. I'm not. I didn't say I, he couldn't have his fun. I said let's make let's compare apples to apples. Jason, none of those other guys dressed up like a beekeeper. Hey, and I love it. I love I love that. I love his goofy quote about the Egyptians and gold or whatever it was. And it's like, come on, man, give me more of that. That's fun. <laughs> that's what I like. That that's what I want out of ball players. That's. That's Joey Votto in a Mountie uniform and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, if uh, if Mike Trout had that kind of personality, and I, I'm not, I don't, I will never uh, criticize Mike Trout because he's almost perfect. But if he had that kind of personality, I'm sorry, you said he was almost perfect. Yeah. Um, everybody, <laughs> hashtag Chad hates Mike Trout. Um, yeah, it's hash- Chad hates Mike Trout with a hash brown before it. Thank you, very good. Uh, yeah. But but if he had the same person. <laughs> That's Hash Brown. Chad hates Mike Trout. All right. Okay. We'll see how many tweet that everyone probably. But but if if Trout had Dietrich's that crazy personality like that, he would be the most popular athlete on earth. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean I think so. I mean I think he would be comparative to anyone in the NBA, uh, or at least in America. He'd be the most popular athlete in America. Nobody's more popular than those uh, football players from Tottenham Hotspur. I, I'll take your word for it. Come on, man. Tottenham Hotspur's playing in the Champions League final this weekend. You're going to watch it? N- n- no. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, my God. Mean, is that your team, Chad? Yes, Jason. Harry Kane's back. I don't know, man. I already like wahoo-odd for you. Like, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Oh, did you notice that uh, Virginia won the national championship in basketball this year? I I was aware, knowing you as I do. And then they had to wait 49 whole days to their next national championship, which was in uh, men's lacrosse. 49 days. That's awful. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Derek Dietrich, uh, he is, he's been really good. He's have, he's fun to watch. He is, he's Derek Dietrich. He's, he's what he is. A guy that can hit the ball. I and mean, he's proven that over the course of his career, when he was signed as a, a on a minor league deal, we all thought, "Wow, that's a great bench guy to have around, utility guy." And all of a sudden, he has been pounding the ball. So it brings up to me two questions, and I want to talk, if we could, about the middle infield for the Cincinnati Reds, both short term and long term. All right, short term because Scooter Jeanette's getting ready to come back. You you remember Scooter? I I do. Yes, Scooter's awesome. 
exist. Scooter's the bestest of them all. Man, when you when you hear my take on this, oh, it's not it's not going to be good. <laughs> no, okay. So Scooter's coming back uh, supposedly, and he's on the sixty day injured list right now. Scooter's expected to be ready for game action in the next two or three weeks. He'll probably go to for minor league uh, rehab assignment, but he'll be back. Um, and so then the Reds are going to have some choices to make here. So here are the people that are in the mix to me for the middle infield. We're talking about shortstop and second base for the rest of the season after Scooter gets back. You got Scooter, 29 years old. You got Derek Dietrich, 29 years old, but a Greek god. Jose Iglesias, wow. You know, we'll talk about him some, but wow. Not another minor league deal, and he's been fantastic. Jose Peraza, your guy. And I guess, I guess Josh Van Meter, you could say he's in that mix, but there's no chance he's going to, so he's going to get it. So you really got Scooter, you got Dietrich, you got Iglesias, you got Peraza. And those are the four names that are going to, who's going to be, who's going to play the most, I guess, at shortstop and second base the rest of the year, and who should play the most? Who's going to and who should? Those are the questions. Those are the initial questions here, and I'm very interested to hear your take on this because you, uh, right. you're you always right on the nose about uh, 60% of the time, you're right every time. I, I don't know gonna. I, I feel like I don't know gonna I will because it's hard for me to say. I will tell you should. You ready for this? I probably agree with you, but yeah, I'm ready. Peraza and Dietrich. Peraza? And Dietrich. Okay, you, want yep. to, you want to explain why that should be the... Yes, I do. Deal? So, Jose Peraza is the youngest of that whole group. Um, despite early season results, I will be shocked if he doesn't end up with an equivalent. Like, basically, he's going to come around eventually, and Iglesias is going to come back to earth. Iglesias is a fine player. I'm not saying anything against Iglesias. If Iglesias were 25 and Jose Peraza were 29, I would want Iglesias playing every day, but that's not the universe we live in. Um, but Peraza is still at least ostensibly part of the future. He's under control for an extended period of time, and he has enormous amounts of potential. So, And, and is also his batting average on balls in place, 208. He's one of those Reds this year where they've just had weird luck with that. So he's going to come around. He's still the future, so he plays. At second base, Derek Dietrich is under control next year, and Scooter Jeanette is not. Derek Dietrich is Scooter Jeanette, but he's Scooter Jeanette who's been much healthier than Scooter Jeanette. Sorry, Scooter. I'm I'm playing Derek there until there's a better option. You love Derek Dietrich. I'm really relieved (laughs) that that's the direction you went with that. (laughs) Really relieved. (laughs) Okay, well, that's interesting because my prediction of what will happen is the absolute opposite of that. I think you might be right, but I don't know. I don't know how you bench Dietrich. I can imagine a Glacius Dietrich, but I don't see how you bench Dietrich at this point. I think you don't bench Dietrich so much as you give him five, six starts a week at different places. But I think the primary starter, who's going to start the most games between now and July 31st, at second base is going to be Scooter, or from the time Scooter gets back until July 31st. It's going to be Scooter at second, and I think it's going to be Glacius at short. After July 31st, I don't know. I don't expect there to be much of a trade market for either of those guys. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think the Reds would trade either of them at the trading deadline, July 31st, if they could. Yeah. I don't. There's going to be no market for Scooter. No, no 
going to no buy. Well, he would have already been traded. Yeah. If there had been any market before and now coming off this injury, I just. Coming off this injury when he was also hurt essentially all last year. Right. So he uh, played with the shoulder most of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And play and hit well. Yeah. But you're right. So uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, certainly at least initially is that the other two guys are going to play scooter and they're not going to let scooter get Wally pipped and lose his position. Cause he got hurt. Whether it should have been his position or not, well, uh, you know, whatever. Peraza was the starting shortstop for this team. The, uh, uh, you know, he was his, it was his position because he had a, really, I would call it a breakout season last year at age 24, fifth most productive shortstop in the National League. You yeah. know, um, that's a, at age 24, that's a, that is, I qualify that as a breakout season. Now, this season has been, a disaster. It has. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's been awful. But uh, he's showing uh, some signs lately. And that's, to me, the biggest thing is he's under team control for at least the next three seasons, I think. So uh, That's one right there. And, and so, and, and that's that's the distinction you're making is the Reds have Dietrich and Peraza. We know they're going to be around Nick. Well, uh, Dietrich, assuming the Reds offer him arbitration, which you would have to think they will. Yeah. But uh, those two guys will be around. Scooter and uh, Iglesias, they're not under contract anyway, so they may be around. But at this point, they're not under contract. Well, then let me ask. Let me uh, shift the question to a more long-term view. All right. Which is shift it. Uh, wh- what are the Reds? What's the what's the long-term second base slash shortstop decision? I think that most of us come into the season just sort of assumed that Nixon Zell was going to. Transition back to second base and uh, be the second baseman going forward. And I think that's what the Reds intended. I think there's plenty of evidence of that. Yeah. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it looks like, number one, there's a lot of options at second base. Because if we're talking about even stopgaps, to the guys I mentioned before, including Van Meter, I think you could throw in Alex Blandino as well, who could probably handle it for a year or two. I've uh, said for a long time that I think Alex Blandino was a major league average yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he. I think if you want to do him, and, and I mean, offense and defense put together. Like he's he's good defensively everywhere except short in the infield, and he can hit. Yeah, he'll be above average defensively at second base, yeah. uh, I think, and just twenty six still. I mean, you know, that's a. So I think you, you could put him there for a couple years until you figure out what you're doing there, and I don't think he'll hurt you at all. Um, but th- those are the Van Meter. You know, um, maybe I love his swing, but I need to see. <laughs> I need a little bit more of a. You know, yeah. uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? I just, I need, yeah, I need more of a track record from him. I, I see that he's made a change in his swing, and it's looking a lot better, and he's been very productive on the AAA level, but, and he's just 24. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, he's a guy that maybe the Reds think could uh, fill in there. So anyway, the, the point was that there are a bunch of different candidates for that position. Whereas Senzel's come up and looked awfully good uh, in a lot of ways in center field, at least shown plenty of uh, reason to believe he can be an above average center fielder. Uh, what do the Reds do long-term? Well, I mean, it depends to some extent on how long-term we're talking here. Um, oh, but before you go I, further, let me, let me, let me add, I think that's a really good way to frame it because when we're talking long-term, it, it, we don't have to, the Reds don't have to pick a second baseman for the next five years. Yeah. Right now, you know, so it could be just next year until, you know, they work something else out. 
Yeah, I, I think I think it's possible that next year they start with Nick Senzel in say center field, and then Dietrich or Blandino or whoever at second is is kind of a, a you know spelling whatever until Taylor Trammell is ready. And a lot of we talked about this before. It depends on what they what happens with the OCL week. Um, you know, because if if Puig is gone, then you've got. I think Tramel, Senzel, and Winker is your is your best bet, and you can find somebody at second base. I think you're right. So you know, I, it's that my feelings on that haven't really changed. Like I realized that I'm apparently not a real baseball fan because somebody has two good months, and I'm not ready to anoint them king of baseball forever. Um, <laughs> I, I just I think history is history, and we'll, we'll see some regression to the mean. Um, but I think that Dietrich, Mandino, whoever I think uh, is not a, I don't know, fine for now, but also not somebody that I want to rely on for a long time. But you could see a guy like Dietrich or Blandino being the second baseman on a, a team that's competitive, a playoff yeah, level sure. team. Every team, you know, I've said this before, every team has guys like that. Every good team has somebody who gets a lot of playing time who's just fine. Yeah, not everybody has to be a star at every position. And, like, I mean, even the Big Red Machine had that. Like, you know, Caesar Geronimo, fine player. He wasn't any. He wasn't great though. Yeah, uh, a bench. He was. You know, he was. He was fine, but he wasn't great. Uh, that's Chad hates Johnny Bench. Hashtag Chad hates Johnny Bench. It's true. He didn't start in that my first game I ever went to as a nine year old. <laughs> so, let me. You know, sort of take a swipe at the elephant in the room here. For a long time now, a lot of fans have been saying, "How can you not sign Scooter Jeanette? At least a you know a three year deal or something." And I've got a couple of responses to that. First of all, Scooter I think has indicated his willingness to sign that extension. The Reds have just been, yeah, it's not happening. If yeah. it were going to happen, it would have happened. And let me tell you why, and I I like Scooter. I mean, I, I really do like what he's brought to the team. Um, he's, a, I think, a genuinely good guy. If you haven't heard his interview on Jim Day's podcast, it's he's he's fun to talk to, and I don't know, I, I like Scooter. But why would the Reds offer him a lot of money in a contract extension, given the fact that three months ago they signed the same guy, essentially? Derek yeah. Dietrich, essentially the same age, very similar career statistics to Scooter. They signed him to a minor league deal three months ago. So why would you spend big money on Scooter when the market shows that that level of player was struggling to find work this year? Yeah. So I know you say you wouldn't sign him, right? No, absolutely not. What are the differences between those two? I mean, the differences are that Dietrich has not yet hit a four-home run game. And he's not yet made an all-star team. Yeah, you want to know, honestly, what the differences are as far as I can see? If I were to guess which one of these players is going to have better numbers over the next three to four years, I would take Derek Dietrich. Because of uh, health? He's He's got a higher walk rate. He's got a better track record of staying healthy. We don't have enough of a sample yet really to say for sure just in terms of watching. But from what I've seen, he seems like a better defensive player than Scooter Jeanette is. He certainly is more versatile as a defensive player than Scooter Jeanette is. I don't know that he's better defensively, but he's absolutely more versatile, which I think really helps the Reds. 
Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't see anything about Derek Dietrich that I like less than what I see from Scooter Jeanette, and I see a few things that I like more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Jeanette has his numbers, his career numbers are slightly better, but uh, they're roughly roughly the same. Scooter's 10 months younger, so, you know, and there's uh, that's something, I guess, but it's not really much to discuss. I think if you're talking about you, you're going to bring one of those guys back for three years, let's say, for the next three years. Of course, Dietrich they already have for at least one more. I think it's clearly Dietrich because, number one, he's very likely to be cheaper. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's no clearly no market for Scooter Jeanette, so he may be willing to sign something cheap as well. But yeah. I think he's probably at least somewhat cheaper. I think he is uh, more versatile, so you can play in a bunch of different places. You're not locked into just second base with him. Yeah, and 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 also, I think the health thing is a I mean, it's a real thing. You know, Scooter has had some health difficulties, and that's not just a coincidence. It, sometimes it is, I guess. But so I think if you're going to take a chance on keeping somebody around, I, I like Dietrich in that super sub role. I, I don't like I don't like him as my starting second baseman, but I love him as the super sub playing four or five different spots. You know what would be a real interesting kind of thing the Reds could do next year. Sign me to play second base. Well, that would be interesting. I'll give them that. Um, they what they could very well do, and I, I would. I, I did this didn't occur to me till just now, but I would be very behind this. Is they could keep Dietrich around if this is assuming. I'm still praying that Puig gets an extension. This is assuming he doesn't. But in small parks, you play Dietrich at, at or you play Senzel at second. And you can have Dietrich and Trammell and Winker in the outfield. Hmm. And in larger parks, you play Dietrich at second, and you have Trammell, Senzel, and Winker in the outfield. I love it. Just shift Nick Senzel back and forth and, you know, swap him and Derek Dietrich, basically depending on how much speed you need in the outfield. I love the idea of just having as many players as possible that can play as many positions as possible. I love to be able, you know, if you could plug Nick Senzel into any outfield spot, for example, and at second, third, or short, how valuable is that player if he can play yeah. any of them reasonably well? Is, yeah. is there is there more value in leaving a guy at one place and then, I don't know, letting him get the reps and being the best he can be maybe there? Maybe there's some value in that. But I actually think in terms of the flexibility it gives you, especially with the, the rosters that, the, that David Bell likes to use with so many pitchers. Yeah. Having guys like him and uh, and and Dietrich that can play, but and, and Peraza even can play a bunch of positions. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the Reds really do have quite quite a bit of flexibility. Um, a lot of ways the, they can go. But, but you know who's not flexible at all? Who? Scooter Jeanette. Jason. I'm just saying, he only plays second base. That's the only place he plays. But Scooter's such a fun name. It, it, it is a fun name. You know, his name is really Ryan, but, but he told a cop when he was five that it was his, his name was Scooter. Such a great story. Hey, he's a, he's a Reds fan growing up. He's one of our own. Not, 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 yeah? Not making any progress, am I? No. All right, two more things about the offense before we uh, go much further. Yasiel Puig, who you've mentioned a couple times, I do want to just briefly dig a little bit into him. Because uh, showing some signs of life as well, but still, ugh, not his overall line is not good. But uh, today the Reds had an off day. We're recording this on Thursday, and Puig shows up, I think, unannounced at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. So, good guy. 
yeah, he's been boy, he's been on, on from the personality rate and the like involvement in the community rate, he's been wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, but now you've seen fifty-two games of him now, with a two-eighteen average, two-sixty-four on base, three-ninety-four slugging. Does have ten home runs. But what you've seen from Yasiel Puig, you still banging the drum to sign him to an extension. Yeah. He'll hit eventually. His defense has been really good. Um, you know, he's he's registering as um, even money defense on like his you know is a zero point zero defensive player, uh, but playing in a corner outfield spot, you have to be really good because the corner outfield spots get docked somewhat significantly um, in positional adjustment terms. So, yeah, he's. Uh, and we've seen the the eye test too. He's passed. I think the battle come. I'm not worried about about him hitting. He's he'll hit. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with the Reds signing. I just don't think there's any chance of that happening uh, before the season ends. I, I don't I, either, but I still want it to. Yeah, yeah. I just, he's uh, gonna, unless he gets close to the end of the season and he's still hitting awful, and he may be begging for an extension. Yeah, um, or even a one year deal to rebuild his value or something. I don't know, but. Uh, the other guy we got to talk about again. I don't want to dive into him too much because we have spoken about him uh, in recent times. But our guy Joey Votto uh, showing some really positive signs in the last week to ten days, right? Yeah, uh, multiple hits, four games in a row, which he had not done for a very long time. Uh, and then he tweaked his hamstring, his old man problems, but <laughs> right. Uh, but we expect him to be out there. I think the only reason he didn't play yesterday is basically because it rained for a million hours before the game. And they were like, let's not put the guy with the sore hamstring on the slippery surface. <laughs> you know, the eye test is not reliable, and we don't, we usually sort of joke about that here. But in that Cubs series there a week and a half ago, yeah, I'm watching Joey Votto, and, and I'm looking at him and saying, this is a different hitter than we've seen this year. I don't know. He's just – this is all – just me, I test. It may all be absolutely false. I don't know. But he looked like he was more confident. He was swinging more. He didn't have any of those awful swings that we were seeing so often in the first month and a half of the season where he just looked lost up there. It looked really like a different Joey Votto. And I think I tweeted out that night from the uh, Red Leg Nation radio account that uh, that I think last, that's the night. I think this is the night that Joey Votto turns it around. And he has been pretty good since then. But uh, I don't know. I just sensed... A different. I don't. He just looked. Yeah. Like, like you're the biggest Joey Votto fan on earth, and and you'll concede that in the first month and a half, he just he did not look comfortable up. He didn't look like the Joey Votto we've become accustomed to. The start of this season is the first time I have ever been actually worried about Joey. Me too. Yes. Like ever. And then you're. But you're right. He all of a sudden, and the difference is, we're still not seeing the power, which that might just be how it is. We talked about that now, but. He, the way it looks to me is he it looks like he's just back to controlling at bats. Like, you know, it used to be the deal where, you know, even like last year and the year before, he'd be down 0 2, and you're like, okay, so it's going to be 3 2, and then we'll figure out what'll happen. Okay. And then that's what happened every, every plate appearance, it seemed like. And we weren't seeing that this year. And, and now I think he's made his adjustments. Um, and, and I think he looks like normal Joey, who's like, okay. I'm going to come up here and control the situation until I get a pitch that I can do what I want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the, uh, uh, maybe the power is gone because he's old. It happens, whatever, you know, that's, if that was going to happen eventually anyway. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Joey has kind of hit homers in bunches. Um, 
I'm not betting against him. And that's what I said when we were talking about it before, which is that, yikes, this is the first time I'm ever legitimately worried about him because this is the first time he's had an age 35 season and he really looks bad. But the way I think that uh, you and I end every one of those conversations is, but don't bet the ranch against Joey Votto because he's, you know, if there's anybody to bet on, it's Votto figuring it out. Yeah, here, can I can I give a very quick and easy uh, explanation for why you don't bet against Joey Votto? Because betting is uh, sports betting is illegal in the state of Ohio? I mean, I guess, but that's not what I was going for. Oh, oh I'm sorry. So on May 22nd, Joey Votto was batting two oh eight. Uh, in the four games he's played since then, he has gotten his batting average up to two forty two. That ain't nothing. His on base percentage is now three forty. That's not Joey Votto level, but that's pretty much every team would kill for three forty at the top of their lineup. Like, no doubt about it. Of players, you know, of, of players on the Reds with at least hundred at bats. Actually, surprised me that that's only the third third best on the team, but it's still the third best, even though he's been awful for most of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, as long as we still live in a universe where Joey Votto can, you know, raise his OPS like you know a hundred plus points in four days, I, 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 I'm I'm okay. Yeah, it's actually fourth best, top four. Don't look at it. You may be already looking at it, but I'm Joey, not. Joey Votto's number four on on base percentage for the Reds out of players who have at least 100 bats. You want me to guess the three ahead of him? Guess the three ahead of him. Well, Gino. Eugenio Suarez is number two, 361 on base percentage. I think Dietrich is ahead of him. Dietrich's been taking walks. 368. Derek Dietrich is number one on the Reds in uh, on base percentage. So who's number three on the Reds with a 345 on base percentage? Is it Iglesias? It is not Iglesias. Iglesias is three thirty nine, though, just a just a hair behind Votto. Uh, it's not Winker. It's not Winker. He's at three thirteen. He's coming. So, he's coming back. He's going to be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. I'm not worried. About you. Is it Casali? Kurt Casali does not have a hundred plate. Uh, plate oh, it's Zell. Duh, it's Nixon Zell. Nixon Zell. Have you heard of this guy? He's good. I- yeah, I'm, that that took me too long. It's because I'm not used to him being on the team. Right, exactly. He wasn't allowed to be on the team for most of his uh, life. Yeah. So, uh, Sinzel, you know, 271 average, 345 on base, 458 slugging, four homers in 107 at-bats, you know, uh, 107 OPS plus, taking 12 walks. I mean, it's just, he has uh, half the at-bats of, uh, or half the plate appearances of Yasiel Puig, and they've taken the same number of walks. I mean, just uh, Sinzel is a kid that was ready. He's had some struggles. He's had some great uh, moments. But he's a kid that's a legitimate major leaguer and should have been here a year ago. Anyway, we're not getting back into that. I promise I'd leave that one alone. Okay, but I I do want to say something about Nick Sinzel real quick. Because I I had this observation watching him play last year and just kind of digging into his numbers or whatever. Every level that he's been at, he comes in and he'll usually like have an initial like kind of what he did where it's like, oh, wow, look, this kid can play. And then he has like a little adjustment period, which we saw him have. And then he hits and he we he, we have reached the Nick Senzel hits part of the program. I think he had his couple of weeks to figure it out. And now I think he's off and running. And I think that he is going to be uh, very enjoyable to watch from here until whenever he goes off for greener pastures because the Reds jacked him around. 
I think that's a very interesting way to look at it because a guy comes up and then the word gets around the league and pitchers adjust to him. You know, the, the book starts to get out on him. But what I saw from his very first at bat when he worked the count to three and two and then took a walk, you know, I saw a guy who really from, from day one had a, he really understood the strike zone, had a really good approach at the plate. I don't want to say Votto-esque, but a really good approach to the plate. And, you know, uh, <laughs> ever since then, he's had those moments. But he's, in addition to what I'm trying to say, in addition to the pitchers adjusting around the league, you can sort of see him working and him adjusting. And uh, it's just, uh, he's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. I'm even going to cheer for him when he's a Yankee. Um, how about Lucas Sims? Let's talk about Lucas Sims before we get into uh, our Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. Now, Lucas Sims, he's a pitcher. He started for the Reds. Now, I thought it was pretty funny. Boy, did he. <laughs> Boy, did he, right. I thought it was pretty funny. That the, we knew the Reds were gonna, everybody knew the Reds were gonna bring up a pitcher to pitch. Uh, I guess he, he pitched the second game of the, no, he pitched the day after the doubleheader. Yeah. And everyone knew they were, had to bring up someone. And the Reds said they're bringing up someone, but they hadn't made any decisions on it. Um, you happened to be in Louisville a few days before that. Can you can you tell us now what you saw? And you did tweet about it, but uh, right. Well, okay. So. I mean, the first I noticed, you know, you get the when you're up in the press box, you get notes and and. And I'm looking and I'm like, you know, just trying to figure out when Sims is going to pitch. I'm like, he's not on here. <laughs> and, you know, so you, you ask people like, why isn't, you know, what, what's going on with Lucas Sims? And, and, you know, you just you get looks where people are like, I can't tell you anything, but you're not dumb. So you'll figure it out, um, you know, kinds of things. And then I saw him on Saturday when I was there. I got there early um to get some quotes for a story I'm working on for the hardball times about the uh, major league baseball being used in triple a now. So I was there like four hours before game time and I was just sitting up in the, in the press box waiting for different people to have time to talk to me. And it wasn't time to go down to the field yet. And there's Lucas Sims out in the bullpen throwing like a simulated game with batters standing in against him and stuff. And uh, you know, I'm just like, yeah, yep. And you know, I asked Jeff Facero, uh, why Lucas Sims, you know, what was going on. He's like, I can't say anything yet, but, you know, I think you can figure it out, basically. Like, just, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know why it was a state secret, because everybody who paid any attention knew it, and there hasn't been anybody in Louisville besides Sims who you would want pitching for the major league team right now. Right, right. Not starting, I should say. Yeah. Like, some relief pitchers who've done well, but just in terms of starting pitchers. Yeah, and Jeff Facero, for those of you who don't know, he's the pitching coach at uh, AAA Louisville. And so, let me. This is a very minor complaint, and uh, you know, I got to watch how I say this, but I was a little frustrated this week because you saw that you put those dots together that uh, you know Lucas Sims was uh, not uh, you know scheduled to start in Louisville, and he was you know throwing between starts, and it was a you know strange things are happening. Yeah, but all we heard all during that doubleheader on Monday, from the broadcasters, from the the, the beat writers, was we don't have any idea who's starting tomorrow. We don't, uh, you know, we don't know. The Reds have told us nothing. David Bell said nothing, 
and not that you have to report it as firm, you know, but you could report the things that you just reported just now. Yeah. Those are real things. Well, I, that I reported them. You did. Right. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. To me, but I reported them. And this is why people get a little frustrated, I think, is that these are actual things. And it's a very minor thing. Who's going to start a, you know, it's not like this is a, a state secret or it's a big time uh, you know, scoop or anything like that. But, and if, if the Reds broadcasters hadn't spent so much time saying, we don't know who's starting tomorrow. And if I, you know, I hadn't seen that from, uh, uh, some of the beat writers who, and I love all the, every, I don't know Bobby Nightingale, uh, but the other beat writers have been uh, very, very good to, uh, to Red Leg Nation. And, uh, you know, I, I like them all personally. And I think they've all got, uh, you know, their own, uh, uh, they're good in their own ways at a lot of different things. And again, they've been nice to me and I don't want to say anything bad, but you know, it was always, we don't know because the Reds haven't told us. And that really frustrated me because wait a minute, Jason knows who it is. Because, you know, he asked a question or two and saw what was going on. You know, why? Are, I don't know. Was I wrong to be frustrated with that? I just thought it was a silly thing it, that... It's frustrating on a number of levels. It's frustrating first because why don't the Reds just go ahead and announce that? It's not like the Pirates haven't figured it out, you know? Right. Um, it's not like they're not getting their scouting report on Lucas Sims together several days ahead of time. Like, they know what's going on. So it's weird that they don't announce it in the first place, but it also, you know... I just feel like, you know, to the extent that I do the, the semi-pro journalist thing, I never say anything unless it's confirmed unless I have official confirmation. But I will absolutely tweet, write up whatever my observations, which were, Lucas Sims is throwing a bullpen in a not normal way. Also, he's reportedly healthy and his turn is Saturday, but he's not pitching. So... And also the Reds have this extra game where they're going to need an extra pitcher, and he's been the best pitcher at AAA by a lot. And that, that's called information for you. Do with it what you will. That's called reporting. You know, yeah. you, you can't confirm it because you don't have anyone that's willing to go on the record to confirm it. Yeah. But you're reporting. For, anyway, I don't know. That, that frustrates well, me. I didn't make any claims. Like, I didn't say Lucas Sims is going to start. Right. What I said is, the person who is the best candidate to start this game is not making his scheduled AAA start and is throwing a simulated game. So there we go. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really as frustrated, I guess, as I'm making it out to be, but that, cause it's a tiny thing, but man, I just, yeah. why, why is Red Leg Nation the only one reporting this? You know, so, but good work, Jason Linden. Uh, but back to Lucas Sims. Lucas Sims did, Sims did get that start. Lucas Sims, who had a good season at AAA last year, both in the uh, Braves organization and the Reds organization. He came over in the Adam Duvall trade. He has had an up and down season, but has looked brilliant at times in AAA this season. Uh, he got that start and pitched seven gorgeous innings against the Pirates on Tuesday in a game the Reds ultimately won 11-6. to Seven incredible innings, right? That I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, he just he, had, a, he was in control. I'm, he was in control the entire yeah. time, and just it was uh, it was fun to watch. Now, of course, he ended up pitching in the eighth inning as well, and things didn't go as as well. But uh, I don't know, uh, Lucas Sims. How impressed were you? I mean, 
I had seen him pitch at AAA, and I'd seen his AAA number, so I was, I suppose I was impressed, but not that surprised. He's got ability. He's 25. Yeah. He's got ability. But does he need... And he, he also seems to be kind of turning a corner a little bit, too. Striking um, a lot of guys out. He could be one of these sort of, you know, late-peaking players who you end up getting four, five, six really good years from. Um, yeah, back, and, of, back of the rotation type guy. I don't even know if that. I mean, it depends. He might be one of those guys who manages to be like just a late bloomer who's a good mid-rotation guy. Well, he's had some, you know, he's had some good numbers in, in, over his minor league career. He's, you know, he's gotten where he is for a reason. But the question is, after that start, <laughs> the, how do the Reds send him down? Well, because you have to. Because <laughs> you're not sending down Tyler Molly, Malley and nobody else has options. Right. But, uh... <sighs> but this is his last option here. So the Reds have to decide what they want to do with him after this year. And there are a lot of uh, a lot of nights that Anthony Discofani's pitching. When I'm thinking, I'm going to be thinking here on out. And there are not a lot of nights when Discofani looks good as well. Um, yeah. His most recent start was not one of those nights. No, but uh, there are going to be a lot of nights when I'm going to be thinking, "Oh, kind of wish Lucas Sims were here." Well, you know, if slash when Alex Wood comes back, things are going to get complicated in a hurry. Um, because I don't. I mean, you can't get rid of Tyler Malley, right? You just can't. <laughs> no, there's not at this point. How do you? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, do you send send Disclafani to the bullpen? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's plenty of room in the bullpen. They carry 17 relievers. Uh, no, they they carry 18 relievers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well. Well, you forget that their center fielder, their backup outfielder, Michael Lorenzen, also pitches. That's true. I forgot their backup center fielder is a pitcher, too. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, it is going to get interesting, and I don't know what they're going to do. I think right now, the clearly, Di Scalfani is the only pitcher who has been below average out of the starters. Although he's not been awful. You know, he's had his moments. Yeah, he's been, I mean, for a fifth starter, which is what he is, he's been really, I mean, if you get that from your fifth starter, you feel pretty good. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a fifth starter. I don't, I don't have issues with him. He's occasionally brilliant, and... Also, uh, vomits all over the mound on occasion, but you know, it is what it is. So, but when Alex Wood gets back, Alex Wood has to be in the rotation, and uh, just it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, well, how about some Red Leg Nation radio madness? No, actually, before we do that, how about a little hash brown viewer mail? Ooh, let's do some hash brown listener mail. Okay, now we didn't, I didn't send it out, and I apologize, didn't send it out on Patreon for questions this week because I knew we had a lot to discuss, and as uh, as I figured, here we are, we're uh, bumping up against an hour, and have barely had a chance to uh, to talk about anything else other than these old Cincinnati Reds. But viewer mail, uh, these are, as always, are actual letters from actual viewers. And some people, as I said, I didn't send it out on patreon.com slash redlegradio. By the way, love all you guys that support us at Patreon, but love the rest of you as well. Some people sent us some questions on Twitter and uh, at redlegradio that I wanted to just quickly, we can get through these really quickly. There's really just uh, two or three. Um, Matt, M. Stefano 78 asks, will the Reds team shop exchange worn Puig jerseys for Dietrich jerseys? I mean, I'm going to guess no, but that's that, that's <laughs> not that's outside my pay grade. You wouldn't exchange your Puig jersey for a Dietrich jersey anyway, would you? I would not. Ah, come on. Puig doesn't wear gold chains. 
but he does lick his back. We didn't put eye black on as a mustache. Gosh, but he did visit children in the hospital. <laughs> he licks his back. Boy, those are two fun players. Yeah, they really are. I like both of them. Yeah, I do too. I like them both. Um, he also asked, what is the exit velocity of Derek Dietrich leaving the batter's box after hitting a dinger? A little, little stat cast question there. Some analytics. Uh, how many seconds after are we talking? <laughs> His exit velocity is zero initially. I think it might be negative at times. <laughs> right, because he stands and admires it. Yeah. Oh, love me some Derek Dietrich. Tay Dunnett, at Tay Dunnett. I don't know how to say the rest of his actual name that he has there because I can't pronounce that. Um, but at Tay Dunnett, a loyal listener to Red Lake Nation Radio, asks this question, hash brown viewer mail. And I thought this was pretty good. When you talk about uh, this game on the podcast, and he's talking about the Bing Bowl, the Derek Dieter, all that stuff. Yeah. When you talk about this game on the podcast, consider this. The Reds were terrorized by Eric T- Thames from Milwaukee. Just the same if you remember. And we didn't have a hissy fit and throw at him. Pittsburgh is classless baseball. Hashtag Reds hot take. I mean, you know. I like that hot take. I do like that hot take. It's true. Thames destroyed us and he admired a few and uh, it upset me because I just remember hating when he came to town because it was going to stink. I hated him. Yeah. But it wasn't because he, he admired his home runs. Because he hit him against the Reds. So, anyway, that's a good one, uh, Tay Dunnett. And uh, if you're playing uh, the, the the board game Clue, the answer is Tay Dunnett. Okay, that was that, that one fell flat. Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. We have for weeks now been conducting the 68-team tournament. I keep saying team, but it's really just 68 players. It's a tournament to name the most valuable player in Reds history. We started out with 68. Your votes every single week narrowed it down to the round of 32, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. The Final Four, of course, was Johnny Bench, Frank Robinson, Joe Morgan, and Barry Larkin. Got some pushback on Barry beating Pete Rose. But our finals, in the finals, Red Lake Nation Radio Madness came down to number one seed from the Crosley region, Reds legendary catcher Johnny Bench and number one seed from the great American region legendary second baseman Joe Morgan Johnny Bench versus Joe Morgan and wow uh, we're going to both talk about who we voted for and we're going to talk about who everyone else voted for and who's the champion of Red Leg Nation Radio Madness but uh, that is a tough tough call for a lot of reasons right Jason it is it is a very very difficult call. Absolutely. Now, tell me who you voted for and tell me why. I voted for Joe Morgan. Um, and I voted for Joe Morgan because great as Johnny Bench was. And no, listen, no no one here, I, don't even tease me about hating Johnny <laughs> Bench. Because I, I hear the gears turning, okay? <laughs> Jason hates Nobody Scooter and Johnny. Nobody ever going to debate <laughs> The greatness of Johnny Bench. Let me just throw this in here. You're right now. We're in the championship round. Yeah. Both of these guys are legends. If you voted against one of them, it does not mean that you <laughs> dislike that guy or think that he's bad. Uh, let me just. I'll, I'll. I'm gonna nip that in the bud. Right. But Joe Morgan has what are essentially. I mean, you know, we can 
fudge and such. Quite possibly the three very best seasons in Reds history. Like, Reds history. And so, you know, yeah, Joe Morgan didn't play his whole career with the Reds like Johnny Bench did, but he was better than Johnny Bench when he was here and not by a little bit. And that's amazing because Johnny Bench was so good. But it's true. Joe Morgan, because I'm looking at it now, according to Fangraphs, has five of the top eight best off seasons by a position player in Reds history. And Johnny Bench has one, and he has three of the top 12, but he doesn't have five of the top eight. And so I got I to gotta take Joe Morgan. I just... I, that's why I, it's it's close. I, you know, you ask me a different day, you might get a different answer. But today, the answer is Joe Morgan. Well, it's a difficult call, and really, you you can't go wrong either way. Yeah, uh, because these are we're talking about possibly the best second baseman in the history of baseball, and possibly the best catcher in the history of baseball. I think you could make very good arguments on both those points. I don't think there's any debate that Joe Morgan is the best second baseman in the history of baseball. Here we go again. You have to attack Scooter at every turn. <laughs> Are you telling me Joe Morgan's better than Scooter Jeanette? I thought you were going to tell me I was attacking Brandon Phillips. <laughs> no, that's Bill Lack. Uh, but, 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 but what I'm saying is you, there are arguments for both those guys being the best yeah. of all time. And I, I really struggled with this one. I may have been the only one that really put real thought into these uh, votes because I took it uh, too real thought into them, Chad. I resent this. <laughs> there has never been a time that you've been involved with this podcast where you put real thought into anything, Jason. I mean, I'm just it's, oh, oh, okay, all right, all right. Well, let's see, <laughs> let's see how the little podcast gets along without me, then. <laughs> oh man, you just made the listeners very happy. I mean, the viewers. Oh, nuts. Victory. <laughs> 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 so uh, I'm going to reveal my vote in a moment, but. I think it's so close because you're right about Joe Morgan. I mean, he was the league MVP on the two best teams in Reds history in uh, 75 and 76, uh, the the classic big red machines teams. He was the best player on the team and the best player in the league. And I mean, his numbers were crazy. Um, won a gold glove, you know, as a red one. And I think what's like six straight years, five, six straight years, gold glove, uh, Johnny Bench, on the other hand, he won a couple MVPs as well for the Reds. He was the uh, has been viewed as probably the best defensive catcher ever, and also could absolutely mash. I think your argument for Johnny Bench over Joe Morgan. I think Joe Morgan. Well, you know, Joe Morgan at his height, you know, his top two, three, four seasons better than Bench's top two, three, four seasons with the bat. Um, and of course, you can't really ding him for his glove either, because I mean, I know that. Uh, I mean, Johnny Bench won uh, 10 gold gloves. <laughs> you know, not bad. And so you're going to think, gotta think, oh, he's great. But, you know, Joe Morgan won five. So it's not like Joe Morgan was a yeah uh, a lousy defensive player. So he was a great defensive player as well. Uh, with which, To me, when we're talking about the most valuable red in, in his, the history of this franchise, I've talked this whole time we've done this tournament about how you define valuable. You know, it, it, I put Kevin Mitchell. You and I discussed it. We wanted Kevin Mitchell. Uh, we were part of the committee that seated these things. We wanted Kevin Mitchell in there because during his very brief time with the Reds, he was ascendant. 
He was great. And so, so there are different ways to judge valuable. I think your argument for bench is that one of the greatest players in the history of baseball, um, he was an MVP. He was a legendary cog in the big red machine. Your argument for him over Morgan, I think, for the purposes of this tournament, is that he played 17 years with the Reds, and Joe Morgan played eight. Yep. And so it, it depends on how you define valuable, I guess. Um, he, you know, what, how many wins above replacement did he have as a Red? Uh, Joe Johnny Bench. He had. Let's see if I, I've got that right here. He had 75.2 wins above replacement as a Red. Joe Morgan had 58. Now, of course, Joe Morgan, Morgan had 100 <laughs> overall in his career. Yeah. Um, and Johnny Mitch had 75.2 uh, by baseball reference. So uh, I think you can make an argument based on the what he contributed to the Reds over a longer career that Johnny Bench was absolutely uh, more valuable. Now, my vote, I voted for Joe Morgan. Because I looked at it like, when each of these players was at his absolute best, who was more valuable? Yeah. And I think I had to go with Joe Morgan. It, although it was close. It was difficult because I loved Johnny Smart. Bench. Yeah. So I mean, I, I've held for a long time that, like, the top two players ever for the Reds were Morgan and Bench. And it was just a matter of how you wanted to slice it. Yeah. So you and I sliced it two, two to nothing for Joe Morgan. We did. Shall we discuss how the uh, the voters... Decided yeah, this one. the voters, um, they did not agree with us. They did not. With 67%, fully two-thirds of the votes, Johnny Bench is the champion of Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. Now, okay, look, nothing wrong with that. Johnny Bench was great, and I just made the argument for why he's the greatest, most valuable, I should say, most valuable Red of all time. Um, why do you think that the... It was such a wide gap between Bench and Morgan. Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of the voting? Uh, I, mean, I think it's the career numbers. It's that Bench was with the Reds for his entire career. He is the consensus greatest catcher of all time. Uh, you know, I think if Morgan had played his whole career with the Reds, it might have come out differently, but he didn't. Um, uh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, I mean, the Reds got all of his best years, basically. True. True. You know, with the exception, a, a couple of slight exceptions. Um but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's really what it's about. Um, it's it's the career, it's the cr- whole career with the Reds. Um, but yeah, I still, I mean, if it's if it's me, I'm going to take Joe Morgan, but I'm not going to fault anybody for taking Johnny Bench. I think that's the only way to look at it. I, you know, I voted for Morgan. Not upset that Bench won. I think he's a worthy victor. So, congratulations to Johnny Bench. We'll have to send out a plaque to him or something. You think he'll accept that? And maybe come on the podcast. Oh boy, wouldn't that be great? I mean. Hmm, the wheels are turning here. All right, any uh, final thoughts about these Cincinnati Reds? I like the Reds and baseball. The Reds are fine, right? Reds are fine. The Reds are going to be the Reds are going to be in at least third place before the All-Star game. Awesome, very possibly second place. Nice. Nah, the Reds are going to be fine. It's going to be a fun rest of the season. I am as still as enthused about this team as I have been since probably, what, 2013. I mean, I really think it's a fun team to watch, and I think it's a legitimately good team. And uh, maybe they are what their record says they are. I don't know, but whatever. I like them. All right, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. He's at Jason Linden. We're at Red Leg Radio on Twitter. You can also find us at redlegnation.com. 
If you uh, would please, we'd appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, we're going to be there. Just search for us, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. We're there. You can, uh, if you leave us a rating or review, we absolutely appreciate it. It does help more people find us. And every week, more people are finding us, and I appreciate that. As we always say, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. If you want to uh, toss a couple bucks our way to help support what we're doing here, we'd appreciate that. It's, you go to patreon.com slash redlegradio, and uh, you get a few uh, cool goodies for uh, for supporting us over there. But this podcast is going to come to you every single Friday Come hell or high water, as they say. Jason Linden, buddy, it's always good to talk to you. Always a tremendous pleasure chatting to him. It's a tremendous pleasure always talking to me, I know. So for Jason Linden, Red Leg Nation Radio Madness Champion Johnny Bench, and my guy Derek Dietrich, this is Chad Dotson saying, So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.